Let's just say a short word of prayer. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for bringing us to this point in the series. Lord, we love you. We adore you. Thank you because our minds are open, our hearts are ready. We receive your word with meekness of heart, with faith. Thank you for granting us the understanding and the ability to apply your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Great. I'm so excited for this. And if you have your notes, as always, very, very helpful. Take notes. Learn. You know? Learn. Be a learning person. Enjoy learning. Enjoy investing in yourself this way. You can't regret it. The Bible records how Paul told Timothy. He said that you should meditate on the word of God, meaning to think about it. Ponder it in your mind. Think about it like you really want to understand it. Meditate on it deeply. He says, then give yourself to the word. What does that mean? Lose your life to it. Embrace the life that it encourages. Then he says, you're profiting. The advantage, the benefit would appear to everybody. Okay? So, part one, I remember we started with, and Courage was with us now, he's in London. Away from us, he's on his journey. Us, he's on his journey. But we talked about how Jesus sent us into the world as sheep amidst wolves. So we have to have a vigilant attitude that the world is not friends with us. That the moment we sided with Jesus, we have said that we are ops. You understand? So everything seeks to destroy you, to take you down somehow, but it's your ability to live above the system. Part two, we started talking about uh, more into divinity, our mentality towards prayer, looking at Jesus. Part three, talked a bit more about man's involvement. I remember I read to you Romans chapter five and verse 12. It says, by one man, sin came into the world. And I said, you have to understand that. He says, through a man, sin came. Not God. See, so man has a role to play in what happens to him, you know, and his turnout. And we've been, on, we've been stressing that point, you know, so I just want to conclude a bit on that and then we'll take this final part. Very, very strong, this last bit. And I want you to get everything. Okay, let me look at the time. This time is powerful. Okay, so an important distinguish, distinguishing to do, okay? For every matter in consideration, you have to know when it is just on you, then where there is a joining between you and God, and when it is all God, okay? And your ability in any situation to be able to separate Okay, do I have a role in this? Is this something plain for God to handle? By his providence, that is by his thinking about my future and planning out my life, it'll work out? Or is that something I need to cooperate with him about? And then, is this a matter? For example, God will help you brush your teeth. <laughs> God will help you be clean. You understand? But he will be irritated when you're dirty. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament how God was advising them. He said, in fact, he was the one I introduced the toilet system. Mm -hmm. 
Because then people need to dispose of your things very nicely, be very, very organized. He says, because I walk through your camp, and if I see nonsense, I'm very annoyed. Mm. It's there. It's there. So, we learn about that character of God. He's very involved. Very, very involved. So you see the need to take action, be a child of action. Okay, Psalm 82, I read to you, how all the foundations of the world are out of course. Things are going haywire. And we see that the world just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. It just keeps decaying, getting more and more corrupt. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. But he says that we are children of God. He says we are children of the day. We're children of light. He says we're in the class of the just. Hebrews 11.3 tells us about how faith, by faith we, we understand that we can repair the world through speaking. Through speaking God's word. So he calls us healers. The Bible says, Saviors shall come up to Mount Zion. And I remember one time when I was praying, and God told me, You are a helper not to be helped, a deliverer not the one to be delivered. Then he said, A savior not the one to be saved. And I immediately said, No, no, stop hearing from God because, um, you know, that's such a blood. Do you know how crazy of a statement that is? You're a savior, you're not the one to be saved. I said, hey, 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 hey please. Mm. And I had to check. In fact, I think I almost canceled it. You know? Till I, I came across that scripture. I said, saviors shall come upon Mount Zion. Mm. So he's talking about us. We're actually saviors. And if you look at what Jesus did, the Bible talks about a man who had a palsy. He couldn't walk, right? And they brought him in. His friends brought him in. And he said to that man, your sins are forgiven you. And when he did that, he healed him. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now everybody was like, how could you say such a thing? Your sins are forgiven you. Only God has the power to forgive sins. But they're seeing a man. Imagine a man declaring to a man that when we're like all sinners. But he did that. And then Jesus asked, which is easier? To tell a man that has for a long time, not been able to walk. Rise up and walk. Or to tell him your sins are forgiven you. This is an example of where something is contingent on just going. Mm -hmm. To tell somebody rise up and walk, who has been acquainted with not being able to walk, mm -hmm. is a hard task. He's going to ask you how. How do you want it to happen? He doesn't know how. His muscles have never been used like that. But then to say your sins are forgiven you has nothing to do with him. It all rests on God, like, oh yeah, God says my sins are forgiven, my sins are forgiven. So Jesus gave the easier for him, so his faith would rise. Okay? So, we saw all of that. And, why did I raise this? I said, Saviors, right? Upon Mount Zion. The Bible tells us that when he ministered to them the Holy Spirit, he said something powerful. He says, whosoever sins you remit are remitted. Now, that's a different level of authority. That if you tell somebody that your sins are forgiven you, their sins will be forgiven. And in fact, this is not pardon. Alright? We need to distinguish forgiveness. Forgiveness here is not about pardon. You know, if somebody does you wrong, <laughs> but it's still in the record that the person once did. He literally is telling us that God gave us the power to erase a sin from his memory. That's what remit, remittance is, or remission. You understand? It is a blotting away of sin. So it's bigger than just pardoning. God saying, okay, it's fine. I know you did wrong. This is, mm -mm, your sin is removed. Like you never did it. 
So he says, whoever sins you remit. So we see everything he was trying to bring us in is into that level, that class of glory that he had with God. Interesting stuff. So in the finale, we're going to be discussing a number of things and I'll allow the scriptures to, to show you everything that I'm talking about. So, uh, how many, okay, who knows what Revelation is? What is Revelation? Anyone wants to go? What is Revelation? What's Revelation to you? Like a fresh perspective on something. Fresh perspective on something. A fresh perspective on something. Revelation. Revelation. An unveiling. A fresh perspective. A new thing. And there is also levels in understanding. So you could understand Jesus' love and God's love now. But then you can even grow deeper in the love of God. Where you understand it in different lights, different shades. So now I want to share some revelation with you. In fact, revelations. You know the kind of thing that some you open and some you would be looking at like, how did you tie the scripture to this one to this one? I was like, I don't know how it's all connecting. But now you started preaching and you see that it's, it's connected. Okay. Romans chapter 8, verse 24. Excitement. Romans 8, can we get that here? Romans chapter 8, verse 24. So that you know people can see what I'm doing. La sombra cadece jongo para mesofe. We have to move with speed so that we cover everything. We will not carry this into next week. <laughs> Somebody was asking me, okay, does that mean we'll stay five hours here? I tell you, God forbid, it's not happening. So, Romans chapter 8, verse 24. I said, I was going to read from this point. Are we ready? He says, For we are saved by hope. We were saved in this hope. Change the version, please. Oh, I understand. Okay, leave it, leave it. That's, that's the easy one. For people to understand. But I, I like this. So I'll read this. It says, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Do we understand that? We are saved by hope. So what we're saying what's revelation, right? We're saved by hope. Says, we are powerless to explain. Comforted by hope. We are blessed by hope. We are saved by hope. You understand? But he says, hope that is seen is not hope anymore. Because if you see a thing, why do you hope for it? You can't be hoping for a laptop if you already have it. You can't hope for a car, a degree, a scholarship, anything, if you already have it. So the question is, what is hope that is seen? That's where the mystery is, and that's where the revelation is. Uh, but John once said, he said, where there's tension in the text, that's where the revelation is. Ooh. Tension in the text. The part that seems is not making sense, that's where, if you dig there, that's where you find it. And then when you release it up to us on Sunday, we'll <laughs> Oh. So, what is hope that is seen? I remind you, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. What is that? Now, faith is the substance of things 
That is what? Hope. So what is hope that you see? I'm giving you the answer. Faith. So faith and hope are not the same thing. If you can distinguish that, it will do lots for you. The difference between I'm believing God for healing, hoping He would heal. But by faith, I am healed. The faith report is I am healed because it has already gotten that which it hopes for. Mm. So, that is hope that is seen. So, there's an expectation of a higher life, a divine walk, a better you, a more powerful you, right? One that does many more things. But I want you to see how the scripture flows. He says, we were saved in, in this hope, right? But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Then he says, in the same manner, meaning apply the revelation you get from here to this. Bible is very simple. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Our weaknesses. You don't understand. I have so many weaknesses. I have too many weak points, too many loopholes in my life. But he says, the Spirit helps every single one of those weaknesses. Like in football, we'll say, this is your strong foot. So let's say this is the weak one. He says, the Holy Spirit would become this one. He would help this one. So that you are walking steady. He supports your weakness. So that area of your life, so it's not about the weaknesses you have. It's the Spirit that can comfort it. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, our weaknesses. Maybe it's a sickness that comes to you often. Tell the Holy Ghost, Lord, I've noticed that March of every year, I seem to be having this condition. I seem to go down every two weeks with this. In the name of Jesus, by your spirit I live. No more of this thing. Do you understand? When you know that it's that period, you start to take your prayer life very seriously because you want to ensure that there's enough of the fullness of the spirit. His influence grows the more you pray. The more you pray, the more you pray, his influence grows. It affects things. So he says, the spirit helps our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't always know the particular matter. We don't know how to approach a certain situation. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So in mysteries and codes, he helps us code that thing that we want. Bring that prayer to God. Somebody was telling me, I was having a discussion, I even involved the friend. I said, the guy was telling me, uh, speaking in tongues and English, uh, there's, no, there's no difference. Power, there's power in both of them. I said, it's very simple. I want you, have you ever heard of a minister who heals the sick, casts out devils, prophesies, that doesn't speak in tongues? I want to know, he prays in just English. Bring out one. He said, not many. But I'm a lawyer, you can't just tell me not to many. I said, measure one. <laughs> He's in my DMs. My blue ticks have scored goals for me. <laughs> he has not come back, that's the point. <laughs> but the Spirit Himself makes a decision for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, He who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. The one that searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So, I have a vision for a better life. A higher walk, one of power. So I'm hoping for it. But hope that is seen is not hope. 
It's faith. Hope that is singing is faith. I already have it. He says, in the same manner, I have a hope for a better life. But he says, what will bring it into the now for me is the Spirit. The Spirit can help me intercede and take hold of that thing. Take a hold of that degree. Take a hold of that struggle. Take a hold over that addiction. Take a hold over that sickness. Take a hold over that condition I'm going through. Oh, I struggle with depressing thoughts. That's a weakness. I struggle imposter syndrome. Any kind of syndrome. I mean every kind of syndrome. Down syndrome, no matter what it's called, it's a weakness. But the Spirit can help that side of me. So I get to pray. Praying in tongues is the most important thing. And it is how you abuse the principles of life that help you, that determine their effect in your life. Somebody finds out that you can pray in tongues and do this. So you know what it does? You see, he decides that, oh, I'm going to be doing this thing as in reckless. That's how come you do it. Somebody says, okay, if I work a nine to five, this many hours, they'll take me this much. Somebody says, okay, let me work nine to, to nine. Nine to twelve. That's the idea. The abuse of whatever will benefit you is what will give you the bigger blessings of it. You understand? That's, that's how it works. So, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. I want us to look at it. I take so much time to explain the word of God. Man, I'm concerned for us, man. Woo! Chapter 1, verse 11. All right. I'll read from verse 10 just to help us. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, God might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom also, that's just, I just wanted you to have the context. Verse 11 says, in whom also, in him also, he's talking about Christ, okay? We have obtained an inheritance in Christ, that there is something that is ours in Christ. Hmm? Being predestined by God, according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth. You trusted the same Christ, after you heard the word of God. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed. When you got born again and received the Holy Spirit, you were sealed. Your life was sealed. A lid was placed over. A, a protection was, was placed over. You were sealed. Not like the top of what you can become. But rather, a mark was on you. A seal, if you would realize... Because you have the Holy Spirit, you're not meant to die. You're not meant, it's not just anything that's meant to happen with you. They can try to kill you, but you are meant to escape. The Bible says, God knows how to deliver the godly. Not every escape is just God. He will just put his hand, bam, and you just escape. No. What if it's a call for him? He needs to tell you the direction to go. The most important gift I always say is the ability to listen to God. The privilege of hearing from God. Throw away any gift. I want to be able to hear him. He says, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee? He says that God can't guarantee anything if his spirit is not involved. He can tell you you'll be successful, but if you don't have the spirit, there is no guarantee. 
The spirit is the spirit of faith, the spirit of guarantee, the spirit of hope that is seen. Remember I showed you in Romans 8, right? Same thing we're seeing here. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Without the Holy Spirit and fellowshipping with him, you would not be able to see your inheritance. You'd be a Christian, born into something good, but you don't know. Until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So until this body leaves, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that I'll walk into all the blessings. It's all with him. I love how Brit always thanks, thanks the Lord. Oh, the Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy. That's somebody that recognizes, you know, I, I have the Holy Spirit and I can, I can relate with him. He can help me. He can help me. See? So you need to be like that. So that higher life is possible by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. We're going to start flying. Are we, are we already flying? Romans chapter 8, verse 22. All right. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also. Where is TTM right now? What the point? Everybody is hungry for more. Because that's the thing. When you're around the kind of love, you just keep, you have this, you don't know what the issue is, but you can't settle in life. You just feel that there's more. There has to be more. There's something. You just So he says that the creation is groaning and travailing and crying. But it is not only them, verse 23, but ourselves also who have received the spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. For we, we are saved by hope. Uh, so, so what I wanted to use this to show you is that what he is referring to is the manifestation of the divine life. Mm. Let's read from verse 18. This is Romans 8. I want you to see and I want you to get this. Please pay, like pay attention. Pay attention. I'm trying to say that the scripture is describing our position. And he's showing us the solution. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, the setbacks of this present time, the disappointments of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall come and be revealed in us, which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation, the world is waiting for the sons of God, the people of God, to really, really, really realize who they are be who they are, right? For the creation was subjected to futility, to nothing, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. There's a lot of concepts here, but I'm not going to explain every single one. The bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. He says, the creation is trying to get free from corruption. What is corruption? Corruption is the gradual decay. It's, it's a spirit. It's an atmosphere. It's a climate. The same way eternal life is a climate, is a spirit, is an atmosphere. Aeon, atmosphere. Eternal life. Right? Zoe Eonanos. Right? So, it's this thing of progress. They show it to you in movies. Something is thinking or something is smelling, whatnot. They pass by a bunch of flowers and all the flowers die. That's an aeon, an atmosphere is carried. Do you understand? So, he says that the creation is under corruption. Everything, you leave it here. 
Nobody comes into the room. You come back, there's dust on it. How did it happen? You understand? So everything is, is gradually decaying. Everything tends towards death and spoiling. But it says that God has done something of a reverse where you are free and you are to free them. Alright? So, he wants to be free. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. In, in literature, what do we call this? Where, where it's, we've kind of given identity. Is it personification? How, how is it? Well, we've given identification or life to things. Yeah. Yeah? So, the, it says the creation, everything, even this boy, is crying <laughs> to be free. But not only that, we ourselves also. That there's a liberty we're meant to be experiencing. But we are groaning within ourselves, grumbling within ourselves. Because we are eagerly waiting for the adoption. Now, you, you may not have realized, but you read this adoption before. It says we're with the, the adoption of the body, the of the, the redemption of the purchased possession. I don't know if you remember it when we read it. And I don't want I don't want us to, to really jump, jump, jump. Okay? But he says. He now explains what this adoption is. The redemption of the purchased possession. But here, he tells us it's our body. So, we are also waiting, eagerly expecting the transformation of our bodies into more heavenly bodies. We want to experience more divinity. So, everything is crying for God. This is the reason for many religions. This is the reason why so many faiths and many are trying. Because there is a natural cry for there is something bigger than where we are right now. You see? The redemption of our body. For we were saved. Then he explains the hope principle, which is where the mystery is. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Why would we hope for what we see? But if we hope for what we don't have right now, we eagerly wait with perseverance. He says, in the same manner, don't just wait. In the same manner, the Spirit helps the weakness, not by telling you, wait, I'm going to do it, but He will intercede through you. And through that intercession, He who knows the mind of the Spirit, that you are going through this thing where you want a higher realm or a better life. He who sees the mind of the Spirit would help work all those things according to the will of God. That's what he's trying to tell you. I don't know if it's making sense. I'm just paraphrasing, paraphrasing scripture so that you can, you know, get in, into a chunk for yourself. Hmm. Okay. 26. Now let's go down. So, he searches and knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So you're speaking in tongues. You don't know what it is, but you know you want more. God sees that will, that desire, and he will grant it according to his will. And then we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew. God knew you before you came here. He foreknew. Before you even knew yourself. He, who he foreknew? He predestined. Your life is not scattered. I remember listening to a message by Pastor Chris. He said, you may have been a biological accident, but you are not a divine accident. Mm -hmm. They tell you that you are a child of mistake. And it's affecting your, your, your perception of yourself, your identity. It should not be. You're not a child of error. You're a child of promise. He predestined you to be conformed to the image of what? Mere man? No, the image of his son. Big S. The image of divinity. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he called. You're asking, do I have a call of God on my life? 
Now you know. If he foreknew you, you are in this class. Somebody said, does God have a special batch of people? So we have the whole earth. Then he has a special batch he calls. Then from that call, he will now choose some. Because you know, many are called, but few are chosen. <laughs> Why discount yourself? Listen, let me tell you. Every time I see a privileged group, I say, I'm excited. I'm in that group. I don't even wait for them to call my name. No, if God has few. If he has many that are called and few that are chosen. I mean, they're chosen. That's how I reason. All right? Moreover, whom he did, 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 these he also justified. The ones he called, he set free. He justified. So don't think that your sins are going to disqualify you from the call. He justified you. And these ones that he has set free, he has made them glorified. He has glorified them. He's beautified their lives. Before they were born, before they even encountered a new or understood, he did this. And the Spirit helps make that a reality so that you, you see it. So the Christian journey, everything, is about converting these into experience where you're like, listen, I'm called. You understand? I'm called. I'm justified. And I'm glorified. Look at my life. That's what it's about. All right? All right? Glorified. Glorified. Exalted. That's what it means. Sitting with Christ at the right hand of God. The right hand of God, somebody said we'll get to heaven and we'll see God and we'll see the right hand of God. No, right hand is like the hand of power, okay? The right has always been a, been a privileged direction, okay? We say the right way to go. And it just so happens that there's a direction called right. So, you know, don't worry. We know you're left-handed. You'll be fine. You're always going the right direction. Don't worry. If I say that you always go in the left direction, will you receive it as a prayer? Oh, you see, you see. Then somebody wants to fight. You see, you see. May your life always go left. Is it a good? Oh, so why are we fighting? The invisible things. Ah. So he glorified us. How high did he make us? How much did he glorify us? Where did he put us? Ephesians two forty six tells us. How we are sat with Christ in heavenly realms. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I know that you're getting it. That's what I know. I'm trying to, the, the scriptures I can recite for you, I'll recite. Okay? Ephesians 1 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the Father that knows how to glorify people. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory. Oh, I can actually trip Right? So sorry. May give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation which I'm sharing with you. In the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being flooded with light. The eyes of your mind being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Now, remember I talked about inheritance. We talked about glory. And we talked about the calling. He prays that your eyes would open to see the hope that is in the calling. Which hope can be seen if you follow the spirit, right? And what the riches of the glory. You think you're not meant to be rich? Some will say it's spiritual wealth. How can you be spiritually wealthy and not materially wealthy? <laughs> How can something be right with your inside and not, then everything outside is wrong? 
I would have to question what's going on on the inside. Hmm? It's like somebody saying, well, I'm prospering, I'm prospering in my heart, prospering in my heart. Then everything on the prospering in your heart, and all you can see is the outside, and you're just like, uh, this doesn't seem to be lining up. Hmm? But it says, he wants you to know the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Alright? He wants us to see that. He wants us to see that. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality. There's no spirit that can wake up or come to your room that you are not already higher than. Do we realize we are the high position of angels? You know, some of us, we so desire to see angels, we think they are bigger than us. In ranking, you are higher than angels. The Bible says that angels desire to see the things. They, they desire to understand how the Holy Spirit fits in a person. Wow. It's a mystery that they are interested in. Wow. So in ranking, we are higher than every principality, power, might, dominion. Everything that has dominion, we are on top of it. Not by two meters, but by a wide gap, far above. And every name that is named, it doesn't matter how intimidating the name, you are higher than it. Think about it. Not only in this world. So he's saying that this dominion, this glory, doesn't have a tenure. It's not just about here. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. It's why your confession is, I'm not a victor today, I'm a victor forever. On top forever. See, and has put all things, so in this world and in the world to come, and has put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. The construction is hard to understand, but it's very simple. He says, the one who is head of all things, on top of all things, he has given to the church. Not as an item, but which is his body. So that's how we now are part of that thing. So he says, he has given it to the church, the head of all things, to be the head of the church. The church being his body. Alright? Which is his body? The fullness of him that fills all in all. God is in everything, and you know, is part of everything. His signature is in everything. He brings you and calls you the body of Christ. When you get born again, you are baptized into him. You, like him, now seem to share in his omnipresence. How is it possible? This person says they slept and they dreamt about you. This one dreamt about you. Dreamt that you were empathic to them. Dreamt that you were prophesied to them. Dreamt that you were blessing them. How? How do you know that dreams are spiritual? Oh, yeah. People receive mantles in their dream and it starts to manifest in real life. Mm. Dreams are spirit. Your spirit actually travels in dreams. Mm. This, this is the spirituality of dreams. It's not just every every dream is not just the, you know just your imagination. It's just yeah. you going haywire. No, you can genuinely have a fellowship in your dream that will materialize in real life. Oh yes, there are women because you know somehow we we we, we understand things only in the negative. There are women who have had sex with something in their dream, and they physically woke up pregnant with that thing, of that thing. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, mysteries in the world. 
Of course. That's why they always do you know, this kind of deliverance for if you, if you do this in your dream, if you do this in your dream, come out and you, let's, let's be guided spiritually. Keep the fire of the Holy Spirit alive in your life. Then you burn up anything that, you know. Dreams are spiritual. So, we're on the throne of God right now. The right hand of power. The right hand of power. He made us part of his fullness. We feel all in all. big is that? You know, humility shouldn't be something that you force in Christianity. It shouldn't be something you are trying to manifest or trying to do. My father recently uh, helped me acquire a phone. It took me so long to just come to terms with the fact that, wow, it's mine now. This is a thing. I, I just... It was just so filling. And like the Bible says, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. All of a sudden, you want to talk to your father. All of a sudden, he's like, yes, thank you, Dad. All of a sudden, he's like, wow, I'm really so thankful. That was the best. You've forgotten all the times that you screamed. It doesn't even matter. The same way, when we read about how good God has been, we cannot share in divinity. It humbles us to him. You start to thank God for the higher matters. I remember being in a service and pastor was, was teaching. Just, not Pastor Chris now, but pastor of the local church at the time. And he said, when you thank God, what do you thank him for? Are you just so material? Lord, thank you for the car, thank you for the house, thank you for the bread, the banana, the butter, the cheese, the melon, and the apple. Or do you also thank him for the higher things? Lord, thank you, I'm born again. Thank you, I've escaped corruption. My body is not going to decay. Thank you because my mind gets wiser. I'm getting brighter by the day. Thank you, because the path of the justice has the shining light. Do you thank God like that? Or is it always for the bread and biscuits? Woo, that rich tea yesterday, Lord. Oreos, thank you so much for that blessed company. My goodness, Coca-Cola. Uh, only? Who need deliverance? So, he has made us part of his fullness, and we feel all in all. Meaning that there is a connection now between everybody's spirit and everything in the world. There is an essence of God in everything in the world. So what does the devil do to quickly take you into idol worship? He starts to make you connected to certain things. I don't know, I saw a cow, it looked beautiful. It, it's the next God. Look at all the Indian gods and the this gods. You're like, how did they fall in love with this thing? Some people bow to flowers. Flowers? <laughs> and the Bible says that God is their designer. Designs them, drips them out in the clothing. And somebody starts to worship what God created. Why are you so in love with the fabric? Have you left the designer? Do you understand? So people get into all kinds of idol worship because they feel connected with so many other things. But he made you to share in that fullness as a creator as well. It's a bigger glory. A bigger glory. Mm. Never leave the creator. Never so that's how the devil, you know, twists truth and confuses people. And confuses people. Now, I want us to look at the second piece of Revelation. I remember I said I was going to share a Revelation on the spirit of glory with you. I'll share that. I'll, I'll show you that. Because it's very important. When you see the connection, you're like, wow. Very lovely. But let's see this. Oh, we're already in that portion. Great. Philippians chapter 2. I want to show you something on the, on the divinity of Jesus. 
Philippians 2, verse 5. Yeah. He says, let this mind be in you. Right? Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. What was the mind? I pray you get it. Let this mind, this mentality be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it. Let this mentality be in you, which was in Christ. He says, everything in this verse applies to you the same way it was with Christ. Who being in the form of God, so you are in what? What are you in? Let this man be in you, which was also in Christ. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion. Now, because I want to go into the origins, let me read it from here. I said that he's made of shame divinity. Now he says, let this mind be in you. Which was in Christ. Who being in the form of God. This word form is more faith. Alright? Being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal. He didn't think he was stealing from God by saying he was equal with God. They put him on the cross for blasphemy. But he, he knew he was not robbing God of glory. He knew he was equal with God. He was the very word. He was God in flesh. He is God in flesh. You understand? So he says, let that same mind be in you. This revelation, not everybody can accept it. Religious minds can't. You know why? They're, too, they're so scared about it. But it's, the truth is, the more we see the glory of this, the more our knees should buckle when it comes to God. Because he's made you sit together with him. It is very rude that a celebrity, quote unquote, or whatnot, will come in, I don't know, some good car, Rolls Royce, whatnot. Oh yeah, say, come on. And you just enter like it's your car. Would you enter like it's your car? Oh, thank you so much. Wow, thank you. Wow, these are very comfortable. You see that the goodness or the glory of it already humbles you. That's how it is. So he says, let this man be in you. That though Christ was in the form of God, equal with God, hmm? yet he made himself of no reputation. This is where our humility is. And took upon himself the form of a born servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, the, the, that's why I want to go deep. The form, the first form, and the second form are the same Greek word, but not the same meaning. This first form is the figurative. This form means nature. But this second form is about, it yeah, the second form, this form is figurative, nature. This second form is outward appearance. So being found, who being in the nature of God, meaning in his nature he was God, did not consider it robbery to be equal because in his nature he was God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the outward appearance of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in fashion. This word is now easier, appearance. That's what describes this first one. Being found in fashion as a man, 
He humbled himself. So he said, are you getting it? It's complex. I'll, I'll explain it again. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He humbly died. He was God, the author of life. He humbly died. He was obedient even to die. That was the level of his humility. Listen, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, morphe, morph, like morph, okay? Being in the form of God, being in the nature, in his nature he was God. And I explained to you one time the nature of man. I said, you have a spirit of power, right? So I said the nature, a dog barks, it's in its nature. It determines its lifespans, its appearance, its disposition, the way it functions. So with Jesus, he could forgive sins because in his nature he was God. It's in him. He has that power. A cheetah in its nature is to run and is, is, to, is to go really quick. So it does that naturally. Now Jesus had the nature of God. So he could do everything God could do. He walked on water. He had no respect of gravity. The same way the spirit of God in Genesis was moving upon the face of the waters. Jesus just wanted to make a point to you. that he, Listen, I was that same spirit, you understand? And he started walking on the water to prove something. Then the Bible says that the, the disciples saw him from distance and said, I think we've seen a ghost. But Jesus said, no, 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 it's me, it's me, it's me. Then Peter said, because he needed to test the divinity, he said, if it is really you, master, tell me to come onto the water with you. I like Peter's faith. Because he knew that if God tells you something, that's the power for it. So he said, come onto me. And the Bible says that Peter stepped out the boat and he was walking on water. Then the moment he started to observe the winds and the waves, and that, oh my gosh, am I really walking on water? Oh my God. The Bible says he started to sink. Why? Because, you know, he now remembered, I'm a man, I'm a man, and this, and you know, that messed him up. And the Bible says that Jesus grabbed him out the water. Are we seeing that? So he says, though you are in the nature of God, we often humble ourselves. We often humble ourselves because we're in, we're in appearance as men. But he says, don't get it twisted. And that's why God highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now, we just often say this very religiously, but we don't know what it means. He says, at the name of Jesus, every knee buckles. Have you seen something? It's like, do you understand? If you come, it buckles. Listen, you understand? As in, of its own accord, if you saw him, you don't know what happened, how you reached the floor. Saul was feeling big, you know, before he became Paul and was not flexing around. But Saul was feeling big, killing people in the church, putting people in prison, all that kind of stuff. When the light appeared to him, he was flat on the floor. He didn't know how he reached the floor. Then, Master, Lord, he started calling him Lord, Master. How? Something that every tongue should confess. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. Do you understand? No introduction. He has been denying Jesus all this time. Jesus appears, he's on the floor. He says, Lord, Lord, where are you? To the glory of God the Father. That's how big. So he says, let that mind be in you. That in your nature you are God. Right? You are like God. You are God. I don't, I really don't we don't want to use like is so that you don't feel, oh, you know, when you say something is like something, it's not that thing. But he gave you his nature, so you are actually exactly like him. Wow. With his power, his mind, his wisdom. Forget IQ, forget what this the world tells you. Believe I have the mind of God. Have a sound mind. 
believe you are intelligent. The mind which created the world and the things that we are studying to find out more about so that we can make a better life is the one that God put inside you. Mm. This is big. This is big. I know some people would collect this small segment where I said, uh, believe that you are God and then they'll carry this and say that I'm saying that we are God. We are not God. I clarify that, okay? You can't, you can't uh, oust the person that gave you the privilege. Yeah. <laughs> he said, come and sit with me and all of a sudden you feel you are him. <laughs> uh, I want to be cast out, etc. I think I'm feeling too cool. <laughs> so that's how Simon Peter received the revelation that he is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, meaning the Living God in flesh. In flesh. So we see all those wonderful truths. Wonderful truths. So let me share this on the spirit of glory with you real quick. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Lego Fragadaskis and Valea Ufe. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, rise up, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Gross darkness, thick darkness, they're going to be getting more and more corrupt, worse. But it says, God's glory will be seen upon you. Now, what is God's glory? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. What is God's glory? 1 Peter chapter 4. There's a lot of scriptures, so try and move as quickly as I'm moving, right? 1 Peter 4, 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. If they hate you, are ashamed of you, unfriend you, unfollow you, block you, delete you, get rid of you, exterminate you. Because of the name of Christ, be happy. Because he says the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. So every time someone rejects your evangelism, just know that the glory of God just increased in your life. That's why when the apostles were flogged and beaten and thrown in jail, they said, hey, we've been flogged for the gospel. They, they celebrated. Why? Because that is a huge weight. It's like a competition of who can suffer for Christ the most. We're watching ROR highlights. A woman had to eat very large worms in order to be allowed, accepted into a community to preach the gospel. Imagine, there was a tribe, a certain tribe, brief, in Latin America somewhere. But to be accepted, she had to do it. Wow. When I saw it, I said, wow. So Lord, I'm very happy where I am. <laughs> so, he's called the spirit of glory, right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's called the Father of glory. 
Spirit of glory, Father of glory. Now, if you're his child and he's the Father of glory, what are you? Glory. Amazing. You are beauty. You are excellent. Wow. Okay? The Father of glory. Romans chapter 6. Just ring you some more so that you get it. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Romans 6, verse 4. A number to go through, but we're moving nicely. Gezo, Gezo, Pakash, Ubagebe, Ungorogahastovebe. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. So, who is the glory of the Father? The Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of glory. He says, when the world gets dark and things are going terrible, the Spirit of glory will be seen upon you. So the Spirit of glory is the most important one. You understand? To have in your life. He'll keep you ablaze. So he says, Christ was raised by the glory of the Father. Even also, we should walk in newness of life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. Very good. We're coming close to the point where you will be comparing them. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 to 18. Now the Lord is that spirit. He says, Jesus Christ. Remember? The spirit will be seen upon you. Now the Lord. Who is Lord? Jesus. So Jesus shall be seen upon you. And where the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit of Jesus is, there is liberty. It's why there's bondage in your life. It means we need some Jesus manifesting in that area. Find out what, who is Jesus? The word. Find out what the word is saying concerning that area, that there is bondage. Fill yourself up with the word of God in that area. Liberty will come. Because he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. But we are with open face. Behold the glory of the Lord in a glass. As we behold, we are changed into the same image from one level of glory to the next, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Okay? And now the one that brings us into the real revelation 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. I'll start asking my, my wonderful questions when I'm trying to... That which was from the beginning, when I'm trying to help you understand. That which was from the beginning. Question, what was from the beginning? That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. Concerning what? The word of life. So what was from the beginning? John chapter 1. Let's see it. John chapter 1. The answer was just there. John chapter 1. Just go to John chapter 1. When first John chapter 1. Now John chapter 1. In the beginning, what was there? The word. Very simple. Right? So we'll read this to verse 5. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, there was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of me. What did Peter say that they handled? What did John say they handled? And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He says, this is a light that can't be fathomed. Darkness doesn't understand this light. They're confused. 
You know demons are scared of you? I remember I preached and was sweating seriously in Sunday school just trying to grasp this word. I was sharing it at the same time it was wowing me the more I said it. That the light shines in darkness and the darkness does not understand it. Darkness can't comprehend, can't soon the mind, can't put together this light. You're a mystery and a threat to the kingdom of hell. Now, what was from the beginning? The word. Go to verse 14. Scroll down. Verse 14. The word was from the beginning. And the word, the thing that was from the beginning, became flesh and dwelt among us. So, this is the same John that wrote 1 John. And he's telling the same story. That it became flesh. It transformed into flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld its glory. We looked at its glory. Remember glory? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now, how do you know 24 karat gold? How do you know 12 karat gold? How do you know the grades? It's by the glory, the shine. There's the, the, the things you can test to know the authenticity. So it says, we looked at Jesus. And when we contemplated him in the spirit, how do we know it was a contemplation in the spirit? Because Paul said that we don't know people after the flesh anymore. He said we once knew Christ after the flesh. We looked at him just like an earthly body. But after we found out who he was, especially when we saw his resurrection, though Paul didn't witness it, but he got his own encounter where he was flat on the floor. He says we don't know people after the flesh no more. Now we look at them and we look at them after the spirit. So when you see, that's like he tests the spirit. You come in contact with somebody, test the spirit of that person. He says, this word became flesh. And when we considered, when we looked at his glory, we knew that this only had to have come from God, the Father of lights. They had never seen God, but they knew that this thing was not, was not here. The, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred, ranked before me. The one that's coming after me is ranked higher than me, for he was before me. The word is ginoman. It means to call into being, to exist. So he who comes after me is ranked higher than me because he lived or he lives before me. He existed before me. Before I was formed, he was there. He's coming after me, but I know that he's higher than me because he lived before me. That's why when they were comparing about Moses to Jesus, he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. A man that never in the flesh saw Abraham. How could he be? That's why they were shocked. Like, what kind of guy is this? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Okay. Jesus has nerve, you <laughs> They respected Abraham. Before Abraham was, I am. Not I was. Not I existed. I am. Like saying I is. I am present in all seasons. <laughs> past, present, future. I think I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I am. It's a mystery. And obviously, oh, this is big. This is huge. I don't even think I wanted to go into it. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, this is huge. Another day. But 15, he, 
He was before me. He was before me. So we see the unity of the Trinity in the description of Jesus. That he was before everyone. He was the Word. He was from the beginning. He manifested in flesh. But he is also the Spirit of glory. Because how do we know he's the Spirit of glory? Because Second Corinthians told us the Lord is that Spirit, the Lord. And every time we see the Lord, because it's one Lord, the Lord, who are we referring to? Jesus. So Jesus is Lord God. He is God. He is the Spirit of God. How do we know that the Word is the Spirit? Jesus said that the words I speak to you are spirit and life. And he said that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. And we know that God only talks. He speaks and it happens. So meaning that the word coming from God is the spirit of God. And he says that spirit, that word became flesh. So we see the unity of the Trinity inside Jesus Christ. Huge, 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 huge. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. You'd see why or where we come in, right? Because I've been talking about how we are part of this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. And we'll go into the final part of this message. So that we can close the series, huh? Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Are we there? 2 verse 9 tells us In Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's what I wanted us to see. In Jesus dwells, lives, the fullness. There is no aspect of God that is not in Jesus Christ bodily. Mm. That's what it means. When you see Jesus, you've seen God. You've seen it all. There's nothing more to expect or desire or want after you've seen it. You've seen all of God when you've seen Jesus. There's nothing more to want after you've seen Jesus. Oh, T.O. Osborne went to India. He was Canadian, I believe. He was a singer. He was singing. He went to India on evangelism. Now, he was trying to prove, you know, preach the gospel, but the Indians who have, you know, God knows how many millions of gods. They didn't believe him. He said, what proof do you have? Then he brought out his Bible, and then they brought out the Quran, and then they brought out the more books. He, he said his scriptures. They said his scriptures. They said their scriptures. He couldn't prove God. One of these days, we've listened to T.L. Osborne those, those times during service. Oh, such an illegal person. Looking for what also preachers also of people. Oh, he was discouraged. He planned to spend five years in India, but he failed. He couldn't prove Jesus. He went back to America, and his wife attended somebody's meeting. And all the woman was talking about was if you see Jesus. She said, your ministry can be anyhow, but if you get to see Jesus, if you just get to see him, that everything will change. And his wife was so touched. She came back and she said, honey, I, I heard something. Somebody said something. 
This woman, you have to hear her preach. And you know, he felt like a failure after, you know, going to England, I mean India, and he couldn't prove anything. So he said, I'll come for the meeting the next day. So he went to the meeting with his wife the next, the next day, because it was like a gospel convention. And he listened to this woman. And she talked so passionately. She had, didn't have much of a message. All she said is, if you get to see him, somehow, if you just get to see him, your life will be the same. So, Tia was hungry because he needed a change. He got into his car with his wife. They hadn't even drove, drove off. He was reciting the story. And he cried. They both cried and cried and cried. He said, Lord, we want to see you. Appear to us. They just wanted that. He records the next morning. I think he said around 4 a.m., 6 a.m. He said a man walked into his room. But he was some feet in the air. He said a man walked into his room. And as soon as he saw him, he just prostrated on the floor. And for the next six, seven hours, he was prostrated on the floor as the Lord talked to him. Jesus appeared. His wife said the moment he came out the room, because he, he, he went on the floor as, he, as he, he came down like that and crawled, you know, on the floor like that. He was prostrate on the floor to the next room where Jesus talked to him. She said, when he came out that room, he was not the same man that went in. That was his first encounter with Jesus. After that time, all we hear about the Lord's the biggest gospel crusades, the sick being healed, the deaf hearing, all of a sudden, one encounter with Jesus. Why? In him. That's why when God had appeared to Jacob, he had to set up an altar there because he says, I have seen the Lord face to face and I wasn't consumed. Meaning I didn't die. Moses begged, Lord, show me your glory. God said, it's fine. He says, I'm going to pass by and you will see my back. Right? But I'll put my hand, hide behind the cleft of this rock. Because if you see me, you won't, you won't, you won't be alive anymore. You won't be anymore. So he says, I'm going to pass by. The Bible says, God showed him his glory. His glory passed before. He did, in fact, he declared his name and his glory passed before Moses. And that's how we saw him. If you see Jesus. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body. And you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power. Every ability, he is the head of it. Think, have you seen, can you think about that? Every ability, a thing's ability to harm. You know, we're afraid of the power of things. Why are you afraid of a lion? Because you feel it, it has more ability than it's stronger than you. He is the head of power, of the ability of that thing.
How big is God? You know, when you praise and you say, Lord, you're so big, you're so powerful, ensure that you visualize his power, visualize his greatness, so that your heart can humble, so that it will not just be a prayer of religion, but humble your heart, Lord, you are big, you take your time, Lord, you are mighty, thank you, you are big, and you see the greatness of his hand. The earth is his footstool. Yet, he could still live. And that's the question. How is he able to indwell a person? If he's that big, you have no aspect. You can't, you can't visualize. So that's why the Bible says the angels who were going around his throne, they, they were curious. How is this possible? When you say Christ in a person, how does his spirit, as he is, every time we go around, we see a new revelation of his glory, and we say, holy, holy. How is this God going to fit in a man? They always question this God's agenda. They didn't understand it. Oh, it's big. But that's the, the mystery. I'm almost done. First, so First John chapter 1. Let's go back there. We'll finish it from there. First John chapter 1. From verse 1. He says, that which was from the beginning. So what was from the beginning? The word, right? Which we have heard. We heard of the word. But we, are, we have also seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled. Because we slept by Jesus. We knew him. Concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. And we have seen. And bear witness. We're preaching to you now. And declare to you. That eternal life which was with the father. And was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard. Why is John in some contemplation? Why is he repeating it so much? It's too big. Because that which we have seen and heard. We declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Why would your joy be full? Because you now have an interaction, a fellowship, a coming together with this same divinity. He says, we fellowship with Him and had a relationship with Him. Now we preach Him to you that by these same words... You may come into fellowship with the Father, with the Son. So now you understand why you say, we write these things that your joy may be full. Because by the word, you could experience this fellowship. This fellowship. This fellowship. This fellowship. John, John 1, 15 to 16. That was the part that I said I was not going to read. But why, why is it exciting? Because he says, we've, we've experienced him, and we write it that your joy may be full. Then he says, of his fullness, we saw his glory as the only one that comes from Father. And he says, of his fullness, right? Of his fullness, of the totality of God, all of us have received. We received his fullness. I have a special teaching on the fullness of God well, at some point. <laughs> but at some point, we'll consider what, what is the fullness of God? What is inside God that is so exciting? But he says, of his fullness have all we received. Could the big God be inside man? How? This is why he says your joy will be full. Because he says if you discover this fellowship, something will happen. Colossians chapter 1, 25. That's the last part on this, on this particular one. Sweet Jesus. Colossians 1, 25. Somebody asked Oral Roberts, big healing evangelist, why do you preach for so long? He said because so many people 
are depending on me for healing. So I need faith to reach each and every one of them. You know, so that they can believe. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. Stewardship from God. Which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Oh, the mystery, the secret, which has been hid from ages and ages. From ages and from generations, but now has been revealed. Remember, we were in Romans 8 and you talked about revelation. I'm showing you how the scriptures tie. Because now, you're going to be writing your own sermon and whatnot, and you remember some of these words and scriptures. Revealed. When you see revealed, go and check with the other revealed and see if there's a connection. I'm showing you how we do it here. Alright. But now has been revealed to his saints. There was something hidden, but it's been revealed in his saints or to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. God willed to show his exceeding greatness, his power, his glory in the Gentiles, in the ones that didn't believe. Mm -hmm. And this mystery is, is, that the angels are trying to understand, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory that is seen, the Spirit, by the Spirit of God. Christ in you. What is Christ? What is Christ? Jesus' surname? No. Christ means the anointed one. The one who has the spirit without measure. The, all the prophets had the spirit by measure. They needed something. But Jesus came with the spirit without measure. Meaning God didn't put a ration of the spirit. He came in the fullness of the spirit. That is, all of heaven got emptied. Do you understand? In order to fully convey who Jesus is. When you see Jesus, you really see all of God. Do you understand? All of heaven empty. But of course, God is omnipresent. So even while he was here, people would say, how could he be here and there and then he'll be praying to God? He is God. Why are you? What do you expect? You think he's just like you. That if you leave a place, you'll be absent from there. You will not know if they talked about you. The Bible says that he was talking with Abraham. And he said, listen, you're going to give birth to a child. I know you've been wanting a child for, for a long time. And he came in the form of man. Now Sarah was in the other room tapping into the gist. She was eavesdropping. And the Bible says that when she said, oh, I'm going to give birth, she laughed. And the Bible says, God heard the laugh as he was talking with Abraham. Through the walls. And said, for laughing, his name shall be Isaac. Laughter. <laughs> I, I, I. I love you, Jesus. You are perfect. Wow. Wow. To this end, I labor, striving according to the working of his mighty power, which works in me. If you read this in the Amplified, it says, I strive according to the superhuman energy God enkindles in me. We'll see, we'll see more of it later. later. But that is that, that one. So the beauty of the Lord, spirit of glory. Christ in you is the fullness of the Godhead in you, bodily. Do you see God's plan now? That in Jesus dwells the fullness. You get it? And the fullness comes into you in Christ. You are now something the angels are desiring to see and understand. Hmm. Interesting. The more we contemplate it, the more we live it, the more we act it. Hmm. Hmm. Great. 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 So, we're now going to look at something. Well, yes, we're finishing. Very good. We're finishing. Some people are concerned. <laughs> we're finishing. First Chronicles. First, First Chronicles chapter 28. Don't worry, we're finishing. This is the last uh, theme. 
four. Listen, have you enjoyed the series? Yes. Have you have we, have we learned something? We learned things yet? Oh, Shikabara Baba City. Lord, fill every viewer with the spirit. Let things run wild by the spirit when they watch back. First Chronicles chapter 28, and I'm reading to you from verse 9. Now, we share, we've shared lots of wonderful things, but we've understood. Because, you see, I'm not just going to tell you, oh yeah, all oh, this is possible, and this happening, this happening, this happening. No. The presence of the blessing is not the activation of the blessing. You see? You could have this inheritance in Christ, but without a fellowship with the Spirit in intercession, in prayer, that thing that your Spirit is groaning for would not materialize. So he's saying something. So I want you to see this final part. You've understood that there's a need for prayer. You've understood all of these things. But I want you to see something. The story we draw from how David handed over to Solomon. So let's learn some Bible stories. Now, David is the father. He's the one that was a shepherd boy, wrestled with a lion, wrestled with a bear, okay? Killed, yes, and protected, you know, the sheep. He was the one that did the, he would leave the 99 to now save the one, you know, because the one always tailed off, you know. So he fulfilled a kind of Jesus Christ type ministry. After that, he was feeling very strong, and what? He went down to challenge who? Goliath. And we're going to read that story, just a bit of the story, okay? So, this is that David who God has blessed. David, the man of God, is about to hand over to Solomon the child of rest. Hmm. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Do you, you understand how big it was? He, he had known this God. He didn't just say, No God. Know the God of your father, the one that has dealt with me. Know this one. Says, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. Have a willing mind toward God. A willing mind. Evangelism in the rain. Loving when, when you feel like hating. A willing mind to stick by God. A loyal heart. Don't just give up because it's hard. Because you're not feeling well. Because your faith hasn't pulled through yet. Serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches the heart. I call this in my notebook the God of psychology. He searches all the hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. I need to read it to you in the, in the KJV. He says, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. Now, and a thought is an imagination. So, how? He says he understands your thoughts thought. He understands why you're thinking that thought and why that thought, why you like that thought. He, he, uh, there is no emotion towards that thing that he does not know and understand. When God tells you, I understand, he really, really does. So he says, know this God. Why? Because David wasn't a perfect man. 
He made a lot of mistakes. And God saw me in every mistake. Still chose me as king. Saul made a bad mistake. God threw him away. But with me, he didn't throw me away. I was unfaithful. He still helped me. I killed a man because I slept with the man's wife. He still helped me. I lined him up in battle to be killed. Uriah, he still stayed by me. He says, know the God of your father. Know his mercy. Serve him loyally, for he searches the hearts. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for him. God has chosen you for an excellent life. God has chosen you to own the most, to do the most, to perform, to push the kingdom forward. Be strong. And do it. That is where this whole sermon and series comes from. God has chosen you to build TTM. He's chosen you to achieve great things. He's chosen you to usher in the rapture. He's chosen you to restore ministry. He's chosen you to realize who you are, to manifest His glory. The only thing he says, be strong. Be strong. Hmm? Are we following that? Then David gave his son. I want you to see this. Let's love the presence of God. People club for seven hours. Eight hours, nine. And I'm here having mercy. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule. Now I want you to see how David did it because David was a man of the spirit. Watch. I see greatness. Oh. Gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers. You see in the next chapter, David said, I wanted to build this house for, house for God because I studied everything. I, I knew how it was going to go, but God didn't choose me. He chose you. So be strong and do it. So look at it. The plans for the vestibule of the houses, his treasury, his upper chamber, his inner chamber, the place of the mercy seat. And he says, oh, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit. He gave it by the Holy Spirit. This was not a dispensation of the Holy Spirit, yet David had the Spirit on him. Of the courts of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers, of all the treasuries, all around. The divisions of the priests for the work of the Lord. The articles. Uh, he gave gold by weight for the things of gold. By weight. Meaning, David told him the exact number that will be needed and how it's going to be built. By the Spirit, he gave those numbers. Scroll down, verse 20. It's, it's so powerful. He can do it by the Spirit. That's prophecy. That's a spirit of prophecy. And David said to Solomon, Be strong and have a good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord 
For the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He says it's personal. He'll be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Until you have finished. He will not leave you till you have finished. All the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service. And every willing craftsman will be with you. I pray for every dream that you have. Everything that you want to do. You would find willing people. Willing people. Every willing craftsman will be with you. For all manner of workmanship, I pray, you will have people for all manner of workmanship. That none of your dreams will be humbled or silenced because you didn't have manpower. For every kind of service, also the leaders and all the people will be completely at your command. Look at it. Next, next chapter. Next chapter. Let's click that arrow. They'll be at your command. Furthermore, King David said, imagine King David, from shepherd boy to King David. You can build a life, I'm telling you. It doesn't matter where you start. Wrestling with animals. Some people don't have that. They've never had that experience of, of suffering, of having to chase, of having to run. He was there. He listened to his father, Jesse. He had his start. But God had a plan for him. Furthermore, King David said to the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. I'm not making something for man. I'm making something for God. Put your heart inside. Is it editing? Is it soul winning? Is it choir? Whatever it is, put your heart inside. Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might. Gold for the things to be made of gold. He says, I'm not going to use silver for gold. I'm not going to use less materials. Gold for the things of gold. Silver for things of bronze for things. Iron for things of wood for things of onyx. Stones to be set. Glistening stones of various colors. All kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. The, 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 the margin says without weight. He said, without, I put everything inside. I didn't even put a measure to how much we need to put inside. No. I gave you the dimensions of what it will look like eventually. But when I was putting my resources forward, I didn't put the exact amount. I put over and above. Without weight. Scroll down. Moreover, because I have set my affection. I have set my affection. Did you see that? I've done this because I have set my affection, my love. They say that love is a, is a feeling of deep affection for somebody, for something. He says, I have set my affection on the house of my God. I pray that people be filled with the love of God. The love of God, even if he does no miracle, even if he does nothing in your life, even if he never pulls through all the years of your life, we don't love him for miracles. We love him for God. For God. For God. Because I have set my affection towards his house. I have given to the house of my God. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. My own special treasures. I have put some things. There's the general seed. The general offering. The gen but I have put some special ones. These ones are just for my heart. I have put some special ones. Of gold and silver. 3,000 talents of gold of Ophir. And of Ophir, right? Gold of Ophir. This is from a specific land. 7,000 of refined silver to overlay the walls, the gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, for all kinds of work to be done by the hands. 
Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? He says because it's going to come at a cost. Consecration. You have to be focused on it. This is aloneness. It'll cost you everything, somebody said. It'll cost you everything. It'll cost you everything. Scroll down. Let's go to verse 20. So he's saying all the things that he's done, his preparation for his house to be built. Then David said to the Lord, said to the whole assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the king. You see, they didn't, they didn't see God but it, it, by faith. Because when there is a king that honors God, the people will. That's why we have to pray for leaders to be saved. They, they will prostrate. They will bow themselves. When a, a leader bows to Satan, everybody's going to bow to Satan. Everybody will be worldly. Everybody will be outside. And they made sacrifices to the Lord and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. A thousand bulls, thousand rams, so, of, of, of drink offerings, sacrifices in abundance. So they ate and drank before the Lord with great gladness on that day. He started as a shepherd boy, now drinks to share for everybody. Sacrifices to give. I want you to understand, you know how thousands, they, they calculated, it's, it's, it's billions that, God, that David gave to God when they calculated it, the, the worth of those things now. Billions. Billions. So they ate and drank in abundance and they made Solomon the son of David because he was handing over. They made Solomon the son of David king the second time and anointed him before the Lord to be the leader and Zadok to be the priest. That every king needs a priest, needs a praying person. One that hears directly from God beside. Okay? Zadok to be the priest. Then Solomon. This is what I want you to see. He spent the last chapter blessing him. Telling him how it must be. Prophecies went forward. So many things, right? We've received prophecies. Words from God. It'll be successful. He says, yes, that's all great. But watch. Watch. They celebrated, but they were still celebrating David's wealth. When did Solomon's prosperity start? When did his calling, his, his, the fact that he was chosen, manifest. Solomon sat on the throne of Israel. What did he say? Are you seeing that? Someone sat on the throne of the Lord. <laughs> That's why I took you through all that journey to show you that, that you know, was sat, seated with Christ. Mm -hmm. Heavenly places, the right hand of God, the throne of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now I say there's something to learn from this story. And someone sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of until you substitute the rulership. Instead of David, right? His father and prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. All the leaders and mighty men and all the sons submitted themselves to Solomon. So the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel. He was chosen in the spirit. Before Solomon was born, he was David was told, Your son is going to be one to do all these marvelous things for me. 
So he was told in the spirit. These are like the prophecies and scriptures that we read. But until Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord, until Solomon realized, quote, quote, until Annette realized, until Brittany realized who she was in the spirit and chose to sit on the throne of the Lord, to sit in the place of authority, till she decided to do that, she never prospered. You're asking a very wise question. Is there anything that can stop me from experiencing the prophecy of God? The promises of God? Yes, if you do not sit. They say pray. Yes, pray. They say, but until you do this thing, prosperity will never know you. Prosper and all Israel obeying, the obedience of people, the authority over people will never till you sit on the throne. Till you use this authority. I know I'm a great person. I know. Do you know you're a great person? Do you feel that power? Do you feel that authority? Sat on the throne of his life. Right? And everybody obeyed him. Till it doesn't matter the supply. Remember, he had the connections. The skills, skilled craftsmen. He had everybody that he needed. But nothing happened. No house was built, meaning no physical manifestation of the spiritual thing. The connection will be the discord, it will be there. Uh, the things will be there. But till you sit and say, you know what, I bossed my life from today, I'm in charge. From today, I prosper. From today. It doesn't happen. That's what I'm trying to show you. Till you decide that there's change. It doesn't matter the connection, the house, the office. They can put you in the office. The supply. There must, there's something that must happen in your heart. You must sit down on that throne and take authority. You see, I call the shots from now. Stop saying I'm cursed. Stop saying there's a spirit working in my life. There's something, sit on the throne. That spirit has been sitting on your life. Oh, it presses me at night. Start to press it. <laughs> Till it says, oh more. <laughs> the kickback these days. <laughs> uh, I came into the room. He said, if I, if I, oh, I just retreated. He said, oh boy, we need reinforcements for that guy. Uh, recently, he's been waking at 12 a.m. Masuko We need reinforcements. He's becoming too dangerous nowadays. I told you, I visualize. I, when I speak in tongues, I, I think, I just be there. I can see myself behind bigger. Oh, Visualize, see yourself. And everything was saying, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see the result of it. Hmm. No matter how great you have to sit on the throne, right? We've, we've been saying that. We've been saying that. Hmm. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Don't worry. First Timothy 1, verse 18. I'm sure there's loads of highlights, loads of things. And, and I thank, I thank Brittany so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The quality with which the, the podcasts are edited. Yeah, Annette, our number one quality control. She's, <laughs> when she sees it, you can be sure that if anything was off, <laughs> you would see you. Know. <laughs> oh. This charge I commit unto you, Ifana, according to the prophecies which have gone before you, 
that by those prophecies you may wage a good warfare. That's what we have there. I'm speaking to you in accordance with the level I see in the spirit. And he says, I'm giving you this, this charge so that you can, this charge, right? So that you can walk with these promises and wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. Which people, having faith, he says, if you don't have faith, if you're not bold, if you're not strong, if you're not making action, it won't work. And a good conscience, if you're not following good conscience, conscience is the voice of the human spirit. If you're not following your spirit, if you're not following the direction of your heart that God gives you in day, that nudging, he says, you go shipwreck. Meaning you can start on this journey and you will not succeed. You start from point A to B, you will not make it. <laughs> of whom there were some people, Alexander, Himenaeus, whom I delivered to Satan, that they will learn not to blaspheme. They are very blasphemous, so I delivered them to Satan. That by them you may wage a good warfare. It means that by them you might live an active life. That's what he's saying. An active life. An active life. A proactive life. I keep telling you, depression is reactionary. Oh God, if people will get it. It's reactionary because you are seeing the world and reacting. Oh, I don't feel good about myself. How about make yourself feel good about yourself? How about talk to yourself more? Hey, you're an amazing person. We're talking about spark for Christianity. You make this thing what it is. I'm conscious of that. I come to church to dominate the atmosphere. Of course, the Lord is the Lord of the atmosphere. But I come with the mind that service is going to be beautiful today. Yeah, everybody's making it beautiful. Everybody is smiling. I see Earlier this morning, I said, yes, everybody's achieving their goals. In the name of Jesus, everything they start is blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm declaring, I'm speaking into that atmosphere. That's how it's, it's happening. You make it what it is. He says, carry those prophecies and live the life of those prophecies. Have an active life. Hmm? I taught a series on this, The Weight of Prophecy. It's on uh, Instagram. Oh, I took it off Instagram, but it's, it's on my YouTube. The Weight of Prophecy. I really wish I kept it because those things are records that have been doing this for a long time. That are, these are the same things we've been preaching. Right? That you might live an active life. And she was there live. Around times we were having five nights of translational power. Yes, a week and a half before was when God told me to have that program. A week and a half to have that program. To host it was about 200 and something pounds. Now, you need to understand, I wasn't working no job line. You know I, mean? I was just happened to just have been doing uh, something actually in particular in queue. And then bam, that's how I was even able to do that. Those days I was balling. Nowadays I'm on a different wave. I don't ball anymore. Look, man. Sorry. Um, so, you see that? We have to live an active life. An active life. Some people are, bor are living borrowed lives, borrowed sadness, borrowed depression. Found somebody on the internet, he seems depressed too. You joined him in depression. Hey. No, 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 no. Live an active life. Active life. Encourage yourself in the Lord. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Alright? First Samuel 30, verse 1. There's no way we'll be at Okay, great. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day. That the Amalekites had invaded. Now they went out and look what happened. The Amalekites, right, invaded the south and Ziklag. Had invaded the south and Ziklag. 
attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away. It's worse to know that the person you love is alive, but they're away from you. But carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. His wives, his wives, sons, daughters taken. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they, were, they had no more power to weep. They so cried. And David's two wives, Abinoam, the Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. It's okay to feel distressed sometimes. For the people spoke of stoning him. They said, you king, you've led us into failure. <laughs> they spoke of stoning him. If only they could see the future. That he was going to be so rich and all of them would get to do all that eating, dancing, and drinking. They spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. But what did David do? He strengthened himself in the Lord. Another uh, translation says he encouraged himself. In the Lord. He kept his faith in the Lord. Right? He kept his faith in the Lord. So we are not those who watch things happen. We make things happen. We make the news. We make the news. Some watch the news. We make the news. Some see for tomorrow. We determine tomorrow who we will be. We choose the active life. Deuteronomy 30 19 tells us. I've put before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Choose blessings. Choose the better part God admonishes us. And life is where you determine what happens. That's what the path of life is. Where you determine what happens. What happens with you. How you are going. How you are going. I'm seeing if I need to read this particular one to you. Faith is the active life. That's all I have to tell you. Faith is the active life where you make things happen. Philippians chapter 2. Don't worry, we're towards the end. I don't have two more points. Philippians chapter 2. Oh, yes. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. It tells us, from 14, it tells us, do all things without murmuring or disputing, without too much argument. So that you can be blameless and harmless. You know, when you argue a lot, you get into a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. You get into so much trouble because you're just going to keep shut. <laughs> Do all things without murmuring and disputing. So that you can be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Among whom you shine as lights. So never be bothered. Oh, the world. You know, I used to, I used to tell my, because I didn't like boarding school. I said, Mom, there's no good person in that school. No, not people who <laughs> I said, there's no good person in the world. But, it's, but the Bible tells us that the world is dark, but I want you to shine amidst the darkness. And when I finally woke up to the calling God and became more of an active influence, everybody was raptured into that. Even young people from lower years were coming up. They wanted to be part of the fellowship I had going on at the time. And we're still, a lot of us are still together. In fact, this week we have a movie night. So, so we choose the active life. 
of influence. Influence, not influenza. Funny joke. So we are soldiers in God's army. Second Timothy chapter 2. I just love this guy so much. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. I love it. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship. Go through hard times and endure them. I'm so I congratulate you, Brits, on this, this period and how you just know what it means? I'm to do resets when you shouldn't. And you're enduring hardship as a good soldier. Chose to take the scripture route. Hardship as a good soldier. So we are soldiers. Since we're in God's army as soldiers, we have to embrace the character of soldiers. Character number one, we are not involved in civilian affairs. We're not involved in civilian affairs. First thing I'll show you, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Go for the higher life where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection like David did for the house of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. So seek the above life. We're not involved in civilian affairs. We're not involved in civilian affairs. We're not involved in mean things. Don't, don't live a wasteful life. Right? We are conscious of the higher calling. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Hebrews 3, verse 1. It tells us, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. You are a partaker of the, of the heavenly calling. Not just a call to heaven. Not a call to heaven. A heavenly calling. A calling that came from heaven. I'm moving heavenly calling. Now they're about to die. <laughs> partakers of the, of the heavenly calling. Okay? Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Philippians 3, 13. This one thing I do, forgetting things that are behind and reaching out to those things which are ahead of me. I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's a high calling. A high calling. A high calling. We leave, we leave the good for the perfect. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Hebrews 6 1 says, Therefore leaving the principles of the doctrines, the elementary principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. It says repentance from dead works, from sin, from the wrong things, is, a, is an elementary principle. And of faith toward God, of doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, and resurrection of the dead. It says we're going on to perfection. Going on to perfection. I'm seeing what I, I should read there. It says it's impossible for those who were once enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift. This is verse 4. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. You see the difference when you put the knife. The heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Having tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. 
He says that the miraculous ability to express now is actually a power reserved for the next life. Oh. Yeah. But we can experience it now because of Christ. All this, the blind seeing, all of that, the Jews are going to experience it in the millennium. But we get to experience it and do it now. So if you have tasted all those things, if you fall away, it's impossible to renew you again to repentance. Seeing that you crucified again the Son of God and put him to open shame. It's a tough verse. Hmm? So, that's a tough one. Colossians chapter 1. I know some of you Colossians. I mean, whichever one floats your boat. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, since the day we heard it, we don't cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may know God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that you can walk worthy of God. He says, the more of God you know, the more you would work worthy of Him. Pleasing Him more and more. Being fruitful, productive in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of relationship with Him. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Meaning you're going through hard times, but you still have patience. You still have long-suffering and you are still joyful. Some people, they are going through the most and it's showing in everything. Their face, their character, everything. They're just worked up. Just, you have to try and stay contained and smile. Smile through the pain. So I want to walk worthy of the Lord every day. Right? Worthy of carrying Christ inside you. No time to go through the book of Acts and that one. I, I never even planned to do it from here. Okay? Walking worthy of the Lord. Walking worthy of the Lord. Can we finish it? We finish it? <laughs> Just a very little part. So I told you, we're not involved in civilian affairs, right? Walking worthy of the Lord. I'll just tell you a summary. First King, in 1 Kings chapter 22, there is a story about a king wanting to go to battle and he wants a prophet to tell him the outcome. I told you behind, beside every king is what? A priest, right? A prophet, so somebody used by God. So all these prophets have prophesied, oh, you will succeed. But this one prophet, Micah, or Micaiah, based on how it's spelled there, comes out and says, no, you're not going to succeed. You're going to utterly fail. <laughs> and the king says, have you seen the person you brought to me? I told you, he always prophesies my downfall. But then the prophet Micah starts to explain, he starts to prophesy, he says, can I go deeper, king, please? And the king says, carry on, carry on. Not like you're saying anything. You know? <laughs> so, he start, so he starts to explain the prophetic uh, revelation. He says that I stood in the heavens and I saw the Lord God here. And there was a council around him of angels. And God said, I want to kill this king. Which one of you is going to do it? I want to mess this guy up. He's explaining why he's prophesied evil for him. 
and all the angels are saying, yes, I will do this, I will do this, you know, they are all competing for who can do it. And one says, I will do it, I will be a lying spirit in the mouths of all his prophets, a lying spirit. I once told somebody, because they were lying seriously, you know, lying very seriously, so I warned the person. I said, if you keep lying like this, a lying spirit will take over your tongue, and you won't be able to control it again. It's a good thing she quit, or maybe it's because I stopped talking to her, so... I don't know whether she did. <laughs> so, now, uh, my wife will laugh so much. Okay, so they were competing. But part of working, working worthy of God is you compete to do His will. You have that attitude of the angels trying to, I can do it, Lord, I can do it, Lord. Me, pick me, I can do it. I can do it. You see? See? Hungry to do his will. I'll read you something quickly from here. Hebrews chapter 10. I know you're learning something. I thank God for your minds. Wherefore, when God came, he said, Sacrifice and offering I don't want, but a body has he prepared. In burnt offerings and sacrifices, he, he wasn't pleased. God wasn't just interested in the smell of goats. It's not a human being that enjoys goat meat sweet and he wants to bless him. <laughs> so, you understand? He's not like that. He doesn't, he's not interested in goats and bulls and suya. He doesn't have pleasure in those sacrifices. But Jesus said, Lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I have come to do your will. He wants people that are obedient more than people that know how to give sacrifices. And if you think about it, the only reason they had to give sacrifices was because they were disobedient. Man disobeyed God. Did you hear of Adam ever doing sacrifice, killing the goats that God had just created for him as friends? <laughs> Did you hear Adam? <laughs> no, he didn't. He was in fellowship. Now when he sins, he says, please, because I don't want to kill you, just kill the goats. <laughs> let, me, let me be calming my anger down. Hmm? So, sacrifice and offering he doesn't want. He wants obedient people. Hmm? The second thing as a soldier we must embrace, boldness, boldness. John 16, 33, he said, in the world you have trouble and problems, but in me you have peace. You have peace, peace that surpasses understanding. So you have to have an attitude of boldness as a soldier. Joshua 1, 5 to 9 tells us, God said in three verses consecutive, be strong and of a good courage. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Only be strong and of a good courage. Yes, I will be with you. Trust me, I will be with you. Be strong. He just kept saying be strong. Why would he keep saying that? Because that's the one thing he needs. Remember, with David, he said, be strong and do it. That was the only instruction. Why? The only thing that stops you from achieving the things that you're meant to do by faith is fear. It's the one thing that comes against. If you can't get rid of that, stops you from being great. Fear stops you from climbing the stage. Fear stops you from coming out in public. Fear stops you from, from chasing your dreams, your goals. This shallowness of heart. I don't think I'll be that good. I don't think I'm that great of a singer. I was, I was telling you about, I'm keeping you guys out of the gist, but I was telling you about an artist that I said he's a very good artist. You know one thing I noticed from all his presentations? He's just so bold. He's so confident. He just, just you can tell, he, you know? You know, somebody can be singing a worship song, but they don't seem confident. So you're almost, is the person okay? But this, you know, 
It wasn't about shouting, it was passion. You can feel it coming from the soul. So Joshua followed that. He was strong and of a good courage. First John 4 4 tells us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. First John 4 4 tells us. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So that fills you with boldness. Verse 17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. So in the day of judgment, we will not be scared if we are living like him. As he is, so are we in this world. That's our boldness on the day of judgment. So if we're doing like him, we'll be bold in the day of judgment. Christianity is easier than we think. First John 3, from verse 1 to 2, says that, Behold what manner of love. By the way, I don't have the scriptures open here. <laughs> so I'm just oh, speaking wow. them. First John 3, 1 to 2, tells us, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of the children of God. Right? And he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we are. Alright? But we know that when we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Alright? Or we shall be. Alright? Because we'll see him as he is. So we'll not be afraid when we see him. If we are living like him, acting like him, because we actually like him in nature. Remember that word? More faith. So this gives us boldness to walk and live like him. Also because we were born of the same word. You remember that revelation? The spirit of glory. Yeah. So he said to him, be strong and do it. Be strong and perform. Remember, David had the wisdom of God. Be strong and do it. He says, be strong and perform. You understand? Be strong and perform. He says, he's not saying expect strength. Be strong is a different kind of instruction. So you train yourself to be strong and perform. So don't expect strength. Exert strength. Put forth power. The word is energio. Energy. Put forth power. James 5.16 tells us that the prayer of a righteous man, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, meaning the, the prayer where energy is put in, where passion is put in, he says that prayer has a lot of force, has a lot of power, and achieves powerful things. We can have anything we want if we would discipline ourselves to pray for it. That's one thing I'm always conscious of. Like, like no miracle, the, it's just about praying. It's just about praying. You have to imagine, just keep praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Don't stop till you get that thing. I strongly believe, no matter how bad a child is, no matter how indisciplined, you've tried to talk. Maybe the, that child is past the age of correction. You know? They've gone too far. Maybe they are already full-grown men, you know? Or women. No matter what, if you can pray, it's not just preaching. If you can pray, I'm talking about five minutes. If you can pray till you see that thing. I was hearing how all four of you, but in those children, were born with Down syndrome. How did a, a great prophet like that, all four of his children, the devil is attacked on a constant attack, but they are all born normally. You see all of them working normally. In his book, Prayer Banks, he talked about how the Lord led him and he had to stay 90 days on the mountain. Why? Because he wanted to make certain investments of prayer into his spirit. That's how come we have such great wonders coming up from him. I've gone to his service in person. 
what some churches take weeks to plan. They call it outreach. It's happening every Sunday. <laughs> some men are serious. Serious with God. We're getting there. So, put forth power. Put forth power. The devil tries to make people weak. Tries to weaken the nations. But you exert strength. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's, this is me flying through, don't worry. When we exert strength, his strength will come. That's one of the lovely things I learned. Oh, I want you to see this because there's some feminists that can vex about this. I'm coming. Psalm. Psalm. Psalm 31. Verse. Good Lord. Be of good courage. Psalm 31, verse 24. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. Well, those who hope in the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Now, there are a number of versions I wanted to read because I like how they all cause problems. <laughs> I'm a lovely guy, man. Psalm 31, are we ready to see them? So the first one I wanted to read, the CEV. All who trust the Lord, be cheerful and strong. It says, be a happy person and strong. Be cheerful and strong. The message translation. It says, be brave, be strong. Don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. I like that one. Expect God to get here soon. Okay, let's see. Another one, the Young's Literal Translation. He says, be strong and he strengtheneth your hearts. That's the, that's the best. Be strong and he strengtheneth your heart, all you who are waiting for Jehovah. Be strong, not be strong and he will strengthen your heart. Be strong and he strength. So meaning as you are being strong, he is strengthening your heart. Simultaneously. And then the one that annoys the wonderful people I referenced before. Let them not hear their reference again, so they will not come for me. He says, All you that hope in the Lord, do ye money, and your heart be, be comforted. All you that hope in the Lord, do it money, <laughs> and your heart will be comforted in the Lord. Do it manly. It's a sign to men, wake up <laughs> as well. So it takes grit. I showed you Colossians chapter 129 where Paul said, I work till weariness. Do you work till you're exhausted? According to the superhuman energy in us, do you work till weariness for God? Believing in his power to keep you running? Kenneth Hagin used to pass the night in, in the scriptures and in prayer. But he always used to say, don't worry, son. God will refresh you. Is that your mentality? So you see that you activate greater miracles when you dare to believe by putting God's power to the test, to the limit. Not tempting or testing God, but expressing faith. So, like David with Goliath, he got there. Now, he was not a warrior. His brothers were there. And his, his brother came to him and I said, I know this, your naughty attitude inside you has brought you here. What are you doing here? You're meant to be at the thing. He said, ah, Please. 
And he looked and said, what will be given for the one that goes to destroy this Goliath that's talking very tough? I will not be shocked if David was not one of the tallest of his brothers. He was probably not. Maybe even the shortest because he was the youngest. I was also saying, I think he defeated Goliath when he was 17. How bold was he? And Goliath was like, what, 10, 10 feet? How, how great a battle was that? He said, what shall be done for the one that defeats this one? He was focused on winning in the name. He was bold. So he went, and the king gave him armor. And David said, I don't need all this one. I'm a man of the jungle. I've chased the lion, I've chased the bear. <laughs> I don't need all this one, it's not going to work out. He carried his slingshot. Since this one comes against me with swords and shields and all those things, I come against him in the name of the Lord, in the authority of the Lord. Hmm? And defeated him, he slew Goliath by the boldness of the spirit, because I'm still on my point about boldness and the power of the Lord. And the last scripture here, oh, I thought, is men ought always to pray and not to faint. They ought always to pray and not to faint. I want you to look at the construction, Luke 18, verse 1. Men ought always to pray. People are always meant to pray, not give up. So don't faint, meaning fainting is the lesser thing to do. Praying is the higher thing to do. So you can feel like giving up. You can feel like quitting, but don't give up. Pray, don't faint. That's what he says. And what that also implies is that whenever you pray, you always win. For a man to be tested four times with four of his children and comes out with the same result of all of them still serving the Lord, becoming prophets, prophesying, he has to have cracked the principle. This is not a case of, well, God picks who he wants. No, he said, Lord, you use all my sons. <laughs> all of them are for you. You dedicate the child to the Lord, but do you prayerfully sustain that dedication? Hmm. That's a line that should stay. <laughs> so, the result of prayer. Daniel wasn't guessing about the lion's den. There's nothing in that whole thing, Daniel 6, that shows us that he was afraid, he just went in and came out and said, O king, live forever. My God has delivered me from it. The lions didn't attack me, but an angel came to me by night and helped me. And from that time, the king said, everybody must worship the God of Daniel. Imagine, is your faith giving testimony that other people can worship God with? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in Daniel chapter three, they were not afraid. He said, oh king, we're not bowing to this statue that you put. This brazen thing, this gold thing that you, you resurrected. We're not, we're not bowing to it. He says, we're going to go. And even if God does not deliver us from this fire, we still will not bow. We'd rather die than living God. They went into the fire. They turned it up. And the king was vexed because they said that before they had even entered. So the king was vexed. He said, make it. See, was it three or seven times hotter? Seven. Seven times hotter, to the extent that the people that carried them there burnt just to escort them to their death. But the king saw them dancing, saw them dance, and he said, How many men did we throw into the fire? Uh, three. But it, it appears as a fourth person, and he seems to look like the Son of God. You know, you would realize, you'd recognize divinity anytime you see it. Jesus was there. Before he was born in the New Testament. The fourth man in the Bible. Amazing. 
Nehemiah needed to build the walls of fallen Jerusalem. What did he say? He said, my God will prosper me. Our God shall prosper us. I love that scripture. Nehemiah 2.20 says, God will prosper me. Our God will prosper us. Joshua, he said, be strong, courageous, meditate on the word. It will make you wise. And that wisdom would make sure that you talk it. And from that talking meditation, you would walk in that wisdom, he says, right? Which is the path of life. And it will cause you to succeed. And the last scripture here is Psalm 16, verse 11. I know I've read a lot, but you'd love this when you listen back to it. This message will be there. And I love this prayer of David. Psalm 16, verse 11. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures evermore. You're the right hand of God. There's always pleasure evermore. You will show me the path of life, meaning in every circumstance, God knows the way. He says, you hear a voice behind you telling you, this is the way, walk in it. You will show me the path of life. You will show me the path of life. May he show you the path of life. Yeah, yeah. In your presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. So, I hope you've learned something from this whole series. This whole series. It's amazing. Wow. Well done. The whole series. Be strong and do it. Be strong and fulfill. Be strong and perform. Do what God has said you should do. Believe that he'll be with you. Believe that he'll guide you. Believe. Believe. He says hope makes not ashamed. He says, there's nothing wrong with hoping. You may not have seen the promise. You may not have seen the thing that you want yet. But the Spirit can intercede and bring it. For the next couple of weeks, the coming times, I'll, I think what I do, I've noticed this, is I'll teach a very, very dense message, right? For a time. And everybody's grueling over that one, right? And then after it will be simple, simple messages. Then I'll write to okay, we have another series then. It's like, hey. <laughs> another long time so uh, I'm trying to do some simpler messages after this you know the, the kind that should be able to breathe in church I think these ones you, <laughs> you know you, you there you just keep typing isn't it so thank you so much thank you you're there so well so be strong and do it be strong and do it you'll succeed father I pray for everybody who watches this message I pray that you strengthen their hearts. Teach them boldness. Teach them your way. Equip them with strength. With grace. With wisdom. With power. With honor that nobody can rebuke or reject. Thank you for your authority in their lives. You strengthen them. You go before them and you go with them. Success is theirs. Prosperity is theirs. Health is theirs. Help is theirs. Connections. Destiny helpers. Boldness. Boldness. I come against a social anxiety. In the name of Jesus. Boldness. The worrying stops. A miracle for that person. In the name of Jesus. Let your word be proved, Lord. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Hallelujah. So, that is the word. Beautiful. Good second one. Yeah. So, that's the word. We have concluded this wonderful, wonderful series. I hope you were blessed and you enjoyed it and you learned something. You have the opportunity, the window, to give an offering to the Lord and thank Him for the success of this message. I think I'm going to do a special one. Yes. And and David David always said what he was doing, and that inspired people to give as well. So feel free to give an offering to the Lord. Thank Him for the message, for the word. And then we'll be able to close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, He is with us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Surely God's goodness, mercy follows us all the days of our lives as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.